we'll start in verse 1. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you today, and we thank you for the freedom and the privilege that we have to come into this place and worship you. I thank you for the men and women who have served this country through these years, dear Lord, to give us the freedoms that we have. God, I pray that you would bless our veterans and the families of those who lost loved ones, dear Lord, and and battles past. God, we just thank you for, for the freedoms that we have because of them. Dear Lord, I pray that in these few minutes that you would help us to be free of distractions, dear Lord. It is easy for us to come and sit and, and get sidetracked and distracted, dear Lord, because we all have a million things to do next week. We've got doctor's appointments and we've got school and we've got a plan for Thanksgiving and a variety of things, dear Lord, that compete for our attention every week. But I pray, God, that just for a few minutes today that you would help us to remain focused and free of distraction, that we would see your word, that your word would speak to us, God, that you would meet us where we are today, that we would find strength and comfort and encouragement and correction, whatever it is we need, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would do a good job to faithfully preach and teach your word. I pray that you take away any pride in my heart, dear Lord, any fear that I have this morning, that I'll be able to open my mouth and speak and that you would speak through me to each one of us by your word today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This chapter follows Jesus was baptized right before he started his ministry. And what a beautiful passage that was. And, and God spoke and, and the Spirit descended. And, and what a beautiful scene that was when Jesus got baptized. And soon thereafter, Jesus was going to begin his ministry. But before Jesus' ministry really got kicked off, we are told this story. Now, we see it here in Luke chapter 4. We see a parallel version of it uh, in Matthew chapter 4, but very similar, not too many differences there. Before Jesus began his ministry, before he set out to do the thing that was going to be the most important thing that has ever taken place in the history of the world, it started out with difficulty. It started out with temptation. Now, in some way, when we look at this passage, at least for me, this brings me some amount of comfort to know that even the Son of God was tempted. To know that even for the Son of God, that, that He experienced the same things that you and I experienced. And we've talked about that in, in recent weeks in the book of Hebrews. That's what makes Jesus, that's what makes Him so good is that Jesus has been tempted in every way, yet he is without sin. And this story is one example of what it means to face temptation. But praise the Lord, through this story, Jesus gives us an example. He gives us some light at the end of the tunnel, and he says, hey, temptation can be overcome. And through this passage, we see how Jesus overcomes the temptations that the devil brings against him, temptations that are similar to you and I today. But praise the Lord, Jesus did not fail. There are times that you and I, we, we overcome those temptations by the power of Jesus Christ, but there are other times that we fail. But praise the Lord, Jesus did not fail. From the beginning of his ministry to the day he was nailed to that cross, Jesus did not fail. And so there are some of us in here today, and maybe you come into this room today, and there are some temptations that have really been on you hot and heavy. 
Maybe you're in a season of life where things are pretty calm now. You, you, the temptations aren't too bad. You're able to overcome them by the power of God. But we must be on guard because when we seek and strive to do the work of God, then guess what? The devil is going to come at us. And here before Jesus' work ever got started, the devil was trying to bring it to an end. And so I believe the same is true for us. When we seek to do the work of God, you better believe that the devil is going to try to bring temptations. Sometimes those temptations are successful. Maybe today you realize some of those temptations, and maybe today you need to repent. Maybe today you're doing good, but be on guard because those temptations are ever before. So how do we deal with those things? Well, let's see what Jesus does in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus returned from the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. So here before Jesus is going to, to, to begin his ministry, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. But interesting here, it says at the beginning of the passage, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, certainly God knew what was going to take place here. But yet we see that, that even though that there was a temptation that was about to be brought, not by God, a temptation that was going to be brought by the devil, we see in Scripture that it's clear that God does not tempt us in that way, but the devil does. But what God does do is sometimes God allows us to go through those temptations. He allows us to go through those hard times. Now, why would God allow us to go through testing or temptation? You see both of those words in the New Testament, but they are both from the same Greek word. Some translations say testing, some say tempting, but it's the same Greek word. Why in the world would God allow us to go through such things? Well, it's only through testing that it can be proved that we are faithful to God. It is only when you pass the test that you can say without a shadow of a doubt, yes, their faith is strong. And that's the only way. God, I believe, has to allow each of us to make that choice. He has to allow each of us to be tested. One of those reasons for our testing is to prove whether or not we are faithful to God. Another reason for our testing may be to strengthen us. It may be to draw us closer to God. For those who prove to be faithful to God, the testing doesn't stop, the temptations aren't stopped, but yet even still there are days that we face temptation. And why would God do that for us? Well, I believe God does that for us to strengthen us, to help us to become more dependent on Him, to help us to know that He is our only source of strength and comfort and deliverance. And so God allows us to go through temptations, and we may say, well, that doesn't seem fair, but what we don't always see is the big picture. What, why is God allowing us to go through this temptation today? Perhaps he's trying to strengthen us for a work he wants us to do. Perhaps he's trying to strengthen us because there's something greater coming in the future, and God says, you need to trust in me. You need to rely on me. You need to be willing to stand. You need to make sure that your faith is strong. And so sometimes, as hard as it is to admit and to acknowledge and to accept, God allows his people, even good people, to be tempted, to be tested. The story of Job is probably the greatest story of that type of temptation and testing that we see all in Scripture. Yes, the Lord allowed him to be tempted, but God did not bring the temptation on him. But what was the end result in the life of Job? Yes, Job suffered greatly. 
But at the end of the book, we see Job, he's blessed more than he was at the beginning of the book. He's blessed in abundance and he's trusting God. Even though he was a righteous man of integrity at the beginning of the book, he trusted God even more at the end of the book. And so God uses these testings and temptations perhaps to prepare us for what he wants us to do for him in the future or to make us stronger so that our faith will continue to be strengthened so that we will stand firm to the end. And so Jesus here was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for a time of temptation by the devil. And there may be times in our life that God allows us to be tempted. And you may be in one of those seasons today. But hold tight and listen closely because Jesus is going to show us how we can overcome that temptation, not by our power, but by the power of God, by the victory of Jesus Christ. So Jesus was hungry. He had been there for 40 days. He had been, been in the wilderness. He had been praying and he had been fasting. And so the first thing we see here that's, that, that we need to recognize is that there was something physical going on with Jesus. He was physically hungry. There was a, a physical need, a physical desire there that Jesus was experiencing in his life. And so this is the first way in which the devil is going to try to get Jesus to fall into temptation. Let's read the next verse. Verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now the devil is very clever and pay attention to what the devil does here because his tactics have not changed. They have been the same since the beginning of time, since, since he was in the garden of Eden, all the way to the time of Jesus and all the way to you and I today. The devil's tactics have not changed. Now, without a shadow of a doubt, I can assure you that Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. That was not in question. Yet Satan tries to bring that question up. He tries to put that shred of doubt into Jesus. Perhaps he's trying to get a response out of Jesus. Oh yeah, I'll show you. What does he say? If you are the Son of God, he's questioning who Jesus is. But Jesus doesn't fall for the bait. If we have power and authority and somebody questions our power and authority, we may very well be tempted to use our power and authority and say, oh yeah, you don't think I am who you say I am? I'll show you who I am. Perhaps that's what Satan was hoping for here. But Jesus didn't do that at all. Instead, what does Jesus do? He responds here by quoting the word of God. The next verse, verse 4. But Jesus answered him, it is written... Man must not live on bread alone. He quotes from Deuteronomy here. This is a good thing for us to consider and make note of this morning. When Jesus faces temptation, how does he come back against that temptation? By trusting in the word of God. Now we have to be on guard because, because the devil's pretty good about trying to twist God's word and say, well, maybe it doesn't really mean that or... Or maybe, maybe you can really do this thing that's not really right. Maybe God's Word's giving you permission here. And the devil is really good at trying to confuse us and make us think that God's Word says something that it doesn't mean or means something that it doesn't say. And he says here, look, you're hungry. You've got the power if you are the Son of God. You can make these stuff. You can just say, hey, rock, turn into bread. And then you'll be, and you eat. Everything will be good. Now, we might would give in to such temptation because there, there are a few things that are worse than being hungry. And I would venture to say that many, if not all of us in this room, have never really felt real hunger. Like I, I ate breakfast at 7, 8 o'clock, and by 12 o'clock, I'm hungry. If I ain't ate by 1 o'clock, I'm hangry. 
Now, some of you have been there before, right? We, we can make it four hours, and after four hours, we got to have a snack. we got to have something. And so we White would, would very well give in to such a temptation. He, he, he worked on the physical thing that was going on in Jesus' life and tried to get him to give in to this physical temptation and to use his power in a way that was not what God intended for him to use, in a way that Satan could say, Aha, I got you. I got you to do something you shouldn't have done. But Jesus didn't fall for that temptation. Instead, he responded with the Word of God. Now, you need to know the Word of God today. I'm not saying that you have to memorize all of Scripture. However, all of Scripture that we can memorize is fantastic. But we need to know the Word of God. At the very least, we need to have the Word of God. And praise the Lord, we do. We got it in a, in, in, wrapped in leather on pieces of paper that we might tote around with us. We've got it on our cell phone screens. And every single person in here, I would say, has got a cell phone. So we have God's Word with us. So we need to be in God's Word and to remember what we can. And when we can't remember, then we need to open God's Word. And we need to read God's Word because that is where our strength comes from. On the days that you don't even know what to pray, not sure what to pray, then open the Word of God and read the Word of God and say, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I need. God, I'm going to seek your Word. God, I'm tempted to do something. I don't know a Scripture to respond. Just open your Bible and start reading. Say, I'm going to give in to the Scripture instead of giving in to the temptation. That's what Jesus does. He uses the Word of God to overcome the temptation of the devil. Now, wouldn't it be fantastic if when the devil tempted us and we overcame that temptation by the power of God and God's Word through Jesus Christ, that he would leave us alone? Would that be fantastic? It would be. But that's not the way it works. You overcome one temptation, and you can rest assured he's either going to try to get you with that one again, or he's going to come at you from another angle. And that's exactly what we see as this passage continues. Verse 5. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. Okay, so he tries a different tactic. He says, look at all of the world. I will give you all of these kingdoms, everything in the world, because it's all been given to me. I can give it to anybody I want if you just will worship me. Now, we could say that perhaps that's a false statement or perhaps that's a true statement. Maybe it's a mixture. We certainly see through the scriptures that Satan is referred to as the ruler of this world. Now, Satan has been given some authority in this world. He is allowed to do some things, as we see in the story of Job. But Satan is only allowed to do things by God. It's only if God allows him to. Satan has no power on his own. He has no authority on his own. And so perhaps this is somewhat of a lie, but perhaps there's some truth. Okay, I'm the ruler of this world, and hey, I'll give you this world. Now, I've always kind of scratched my head on this and thinking, now wait a minute. Jesus is the creator of all things. All things have been created through him, for him, and by him. How can Satan offer Jesus what is already his? So that doesn't really seem to make sense. And so I'm, I try to figure, well, what, what may be another way that, that, that Satan is trying to get it? Now, now, maybe that's it. Maybe what we see on the surface, that's exactly what he's saying. Hey, I'll give you these kingdoms of the world. Maybe Satan is so foolish to think, hey, Jesus is going to fall for this. He's going to forget that he, he created everything. 
but not so. Maybe what Satan was offering in here was saying, you can have these things without going through suffering. Look, I'll give you the world. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, all the people of the world, and you won't even have to go to that old cross, and you won't have to suffer, and you won't have to die. Maybe that was part of the temptation. Perhaps he was saying, I'll give you the splendor of these kingdoms. I'll go ahead and make you the king of these kingdoms right now today. You don't even have to go through this ministry. You don't have to minister to these people who are going to hate you and reject you and, and try their best to kill you and ultimately do it. I'm just going to give you this today. You don't even have to wait. Perhaps that was the temptation that Satan was trying to tempt him with. And oh, what a pretty good temptation that is. Perhaps we are tempted in such a way sometimes. After all, the things of the world seem pretty alluring to us. After all, we all would like to be rich and famous and good-looking, would we not? Wouldn't it be fantastic if you were a star athlete or, a, or an actor or, or, or a president or somebody who was famous and somebody who had lots of power and prestige and wealth? And, and wouldn't it be fantastic if we could have those things and the devil gets us in the same way today. Because even as we sit in this room today, oh, the devil makes those things look very appealing to us. Oh, if you do this, if you do that, if you do the other, you can have all of these things you want. Doesn't matter if you hurt a few people along the way. Doesn't matter if you step on a few heads to step your way to the top. Wouldn't it be fantastic if you can get to the top? The end justifies the means. Do we ever give in to that temptation? Perhaps sometimes we do. The world looks very good to us. It looks very appealing to us. But Jesus was looking past what was in this world, at least the way is as it is today. Even if you could be ruler of this world today, that ain't worth much. I don't know if you've looked around at this world today, but it's not worth much. But praise the Lord, God desires to make a new heavens and a new earth that's going to be so much greater than what we see the devil was trying to offer, offer Jesus a bowl of rice and Jesus was sitting there saying, no, I got filet mignon coming. <laughs> and we need to realize that what we see before us, as good as it looks, look, it's bad in this world, but there's good in this world. We see good things. We see great things. We see some, some things that we enjoy and, and that's not bad, but, but what we need to remember is what we see in this world, it pales in comparison to what God desires to give to us for all of eternity. So Jesus didn't take the bait. He didn't say, all right, I'll take this old sinful world the way it is. No, Jesus said, I'm going to continue on with my mission. I'm going to give my life for these evil people so that sins can be forgiven, so that this world, that this kingdom can be turned into something more beautiful, something better. So the devil tempted Jesus with the things of the world, and Jesus, again, refused. Let's continue on in verse 8. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What does Jesus do here? Again, he quotes from Deuteronomy. He quotes the scripture. What does he say? I'm not going to fall down and worship you. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to worship my Father. I'm going to worship God because that's what the Scripture calls me to do. So maybe we need to examine our life and say, hey, are there things in my life, are there people in my life that I have begun to worship? Now, I'm not suggesting that you have a shrine in your closet of somebody or something and you open the door and you light candles and you bow to it every day. I hope, beyond hope, that nobody in here is doing that. If you are, see me after church, we'll talk about it. But, but 
We might think, oh, I'm not worshiping anybody because I don't do that. But yet perhaps we are worshiping things of the world. Perhaps we are worshiping people of the world. What do we spend our time and our money on? That's usually a pretty good indication of where our heart is. If you spend a lot of money on things of the world, if you spend a lot of time on things of the world, and you spend a little time on God, then guess what? It's probably the things of the world are more important. You look back at your credit card statement, you look back at your checkbook, and you see where your money goes. Where your money is, that's where your heart is. And so perhaps we need to check ourselves to see what we are worshiping today. Do our actions show that we worship God? Do the things that we spend our time on show that we worship God? Do, does the way we spend our money show that we worship God? And so it's good for us from time to time. That's why it's good to look at passages like these and, and just check ourselves. We might say, oh, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I come to church and we, we read these passages and say, oh, I know that. I don't do that. And we move on. But I believe as Christians, we need to keep checking ourselves because those temptations keep coming. And to fall into the trap of worshiping something or someone other than God, hey, maybe we do that more than we realize. So maybe we just need to check ourselves. We need to test ourselves. And maybe we fail the test. But it's good for us to recognize we fail the test so that we can repent of those things. So what does Jesus remind us of here by the word of God is that we need to worship God alone. If there are things in our life that we have begun to worship over and above God, then we need to say, all right, God, I need to get back I need to get back straight. I need you to help me. How do we get back straight? Hey, the Word of God's a pretty good place to go. After all, that's where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went during his time of temptation. So he tried twice, the devil did. He failed in both instances. So he tries again. He's pretty persistent. You know that. I don't have to tell you. The devil is very, very persistent, and he is with Jesus too. Verse 9, So he took him to Jerusalem had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Again, he questions, same line of questioning he started with. If you are the Son of God, he knows full well he's the Son of God. He's trying to get him riled up here. He's trying to get him to give in. He's trying to get him to say, I'll show you I'm the Son of God. I'll, I'll do what you're saying. That's what the devil wants, but that's not what he gets. For it is written, okay, now listen to what the devil does here. He's going to quote some scripture. Perhaps he's picked up on what Jesus has done. All right, I see what you're doing. You keep going back to the Old Testament. You keep going back to Deuteronomy. You want to to talk scripture? No problem. I'll use scripture. And so he does. And so here we see that the devil is about to quote from Psalm 91. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Hey! God's word says he's going to look out for his people. He's going to watch out and protect you. So you go out and do whatever you want. He says it right here, Jesus. Look, you can jump off the top of this temple. Ain't nothing going to happen to you because God's going to protect his people. Hold up. Now, I certainly believe without a shadow of a doubt that God is with us, that God watches over us, that God protects us. But this is not what this passage is talking about, at least not in the way that uh, that, uh, the devil is using it. The devil is using this passage to get Jesus to test God. Come on and test God. See if God means it. Go on, jump out in front of a bus. God's going to protect you. You do whatever you want to do. That's what the devil is trying to say here, but that's not what that passage is saying. And he tries to twist the word of God to get Jesus to say, hey, I'll do it. I trust God. And he fights with God's word. 
but he doesn't fight with God's word accurately. He twists God's word. And so surely this is his best shot. He's, he's taken his first two shots. They were unsuccessful. This is the last shot that he's got to take. He's going to do the best that he can. He's trying to get Jesus to give in. Would it not have been a fantastic thing for the devil if before the ministry of Jesus ever started, he could bring it to a close, but yet he did not, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Jesus was better than you and I. Because we might give in to these things. We might test God. We might worship the things of the world. We may give in to our physical desires. But Jesus did not. Let's listen to Jesus' response here. Verse 12. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. Verse 13. After the devil had finished every temptation... He departed from him for a time. That's what we long for, right? We, we long for the days that the, that the temptation departs from us. And Jesus, praise the Lord, is our example. We fail in all of these areas of temptation in some way, shape, or form. I'll venture to say that every one of us has failed in this way. And there are some temptations that are stronger uh, than, than others. There are some things that, that really are hard for us to overcome. There are some temptations that some of you give in to and others don't give in to. But whatever our temptation may be, our deliverance from temptation, it comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through the work of Jesus Christ. It comes through the fact that he did not fail that he did not give in to a single one of these temptations. He stood against the devil. He fought the devil face to face, toe to toe. He went with him. And guess what? Jesus is victorious. Jesus did not just start his ministry here, but he continued his ministry. Throughout all of the book of Luke and the rest of the gospel accounts, we see Jesus continuing to do the work. And it was not always easy. Jesus overcame these temptations but the rest of Jesus' ministry was not smooth sailing. We need to remember that today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, to live for God does not always mean that it's going to be smooth sailing. I wish I could tell you today that if you put your faith in Christ and live for Him and trust Him that nothing bad will ever happen, but that would be a lie because that is not what the Word of God says. Jesus Himself says of those who are going to come, those who are His disciples, look, you're going to face hard times. It's going to happen. You're going to face them. And so how are we going to overcome them? We're going to overcome them by the power of Jesus Christ because he has succeeded in everything that we have failed at. And so Jesus continued his mission. He continued to do the work of God. And they continued to come against him. And they continued to come against him. And he continued to do the work of God. And he continued to preach. And he continued to heal. And they came against him. And he continued to do the work of God. And he continued the work of God all the way up that hill where he was nailed to that cross. And that is why we come here today. And that is why we can rejoice. If you are tempted today, you can rejoice. I want to tell you today, if you're in temptation and that temptation has been overtaking you, it does not have to overtake you anymore. That Jesus wants to offer you freedom. He wants to offer you deliverance today. Maybe you've tried to overcome the temptations by giving in to them. But you will find out quickly that giving in to your temptations will not alleviate the temptation. They will only continue to come and be stronger and be stronger and be stronger. But Jesus says today, I want to free you from that. 
Jesus says today, look here. Look at these words. Look at what Jesus has done. He has overcome temptation. And in Matthew's account, it says, Jesus says, depart from me, Satan. What a, what a powerful phrase. Depart from me, Satan, or get thee behind me, Satan. What a powerful thing that, that the very Jesus that spoke these words and Satan fled, that that's the Jesus and Lord and Savior that we can call on. The one who has defeated Satan. So for us today, perhaps we simply need to say the same things Jesus said. Get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. He has overcome you. And it is not hard. I'm not telling you today, I don't pretend for a second that overcoming temptation is easy. But with the power of Jesus, it is possible. So hold on to Jesus today. Hold on to the Word of God today. When you're struggling day after day, week after week, seek the Word of God. Seek the power of God. And there you will find deliverance in Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. We thank you for, for letting us look at these passage, this, this passage that, that perhaps some of us, maybe all of us know, dear Lord, and just be reminded of what it says. Let us not forget the tactics of the devil. Oh, he is persistent, dear Lord. And even though he has not defeated Jesus, he still desires to defeat us. But, dear Lord, let us be those who seek Jesus so we can gain the victory that Jesus has already won. God, I pray that if there are some in this room today that do not know Jesus, God, maybe they have been struggling with temptation their whole life. Maybe their whole life they've never thought there was a way out. Maybe they're longing for it. God, I pray today that if they've never known it before, that they would know it today that Jesus Christ is the way of escape. That Jesus Christ is the, is the victory over their temptation. Dear Lord, maybe there are some in here and they are yours. God, it seems like sometimes the more we try to do right, the harder it is. But God, I pray that we would not give up. God, just as Jesus was tested and tempted as he started to do your work, so we are sometimes. But let us not lose heart and give up. God, if we face trials and temptations and struggles, let us trust you all the more that we can continue to be faithful just as Jesus was, that we can look to his example to see how he defeated temptation here at the beginning of his ministry and how he continued to live faithful to you in all that he did. And he did that, dear Lord, because he would seek your will more than his own. So let us be found faithful to do that in our life. God, let us seek your word. There is power in your word, dear Lord. We see that. We see Jesus Christ himself use your word, and what a beautiful thing it is. So let us use the words that Jesus used, and let us find deliverance in the one who used those words in Jesus Christ. God, if there's one today that doesn't know you, if there's one that's struggling with temptation, I pray that they wouldn't leave with that struggle, but they would give it to you, that they would be on guard and be ready for whatever may come at them tomorrow and the next day, and know that they don't have to give in to temptation. But through the power of Jesus, they can say no more. I'm standing up to the devil and I'm giving, I'm giving up my temptation and I'm going to stand in victory of Jesus. And I ask these things in Jesus' name today.